This is Always Advancing with your host, Josh Sanchez, the podcast created for multidimensional individuals, those that are looking to enhance their human experience and activate their state of self-actualization. Tune in each week for growth hacks and inspiring interviews to help you advance and actualize your full potential. I appreciate your attention and I'm grateful for your awareness. Let's go. Hi, Advancers. I am going to record the book that I wrote, Meta Awareness, the most important skill of the 21st century. Really excited, self published. It's on Amazon. You can get a paperback or ebook copy. It's going to be a three part trilogy to this book. Um, I already roughly went over it and uh, I, I realize it's going to take about 30 minutes per episode. So I hope you guys like it. I'm going to dive right in. I open up the book with a quote by Sam Harris, who explains this beautifully. At every moment in your life, you are practicing something. You are using your attention in a certain way. And for the most part, if you're like most people, you're using it in ways that lead to predictable sorts of dissatisfaction. You're practicing a kind of meditation on all things you want, all the things that make you anxious, and kind of perpetual distraction for which a method like mindfulness is put forward as an antidote. But as your mind is, your life becomes. And so you are ingraining various tendencies and habits in neurophysiological states moment by moment, every moment of your life. Sam Harris. Our conscious mind is very small. It's, it's, so, it's so minuscule in comparison to the unconscious processes that go on day to day that we cannot listen to two conversations simultaneously at the same time. So to put that in perspective, if we can consciously process, let's say, 140 data points, when we are paying attention to somebody talking and the words that they are saying, that's uh, 80 data points. And so we only have a remainder of 60 data points. If another person is talking simultaneously at the same time, notice that you cannot pay attention to both conversations and really conceptually or contextually grasp the, the, the communication taking place. That's our conscious mind. I believe meta-awareness is going to be the most important mental skill. We see more and more people not knowing who they are. We see more and more the majority of people right now going through the motions they're climbing a ladder right now what's absolutely heartbreaking is when they get to the top of the ladder they're going to realize that the entire lives were spent climbing the wrong ladder really let that resonate using this skill to really track where your attention's going using meta awareness to also see unbiasedly subjectively how you show up in certain contexts and it's really tough to do this on your own i fall victim to this consistently i'm growing in this uh, in this mental skill shown almost daily you know if not weekly places where i need to grow where i, I think i'm showing up in a certain way uh, during certain communications and I, i'm realizing that i'm not as emotionally balanced i have certain patterns that i need to break pattern interrupt a lot of the ways that I communicate with with my daughter. I needed a pattern interrupt a lot of the ways that I communicate with people who have triggered me in the past and relationships in the past. And this is where meta-awareness plays into it. The introduction is, we are responsible to control our mind. Zanshin is a word used commonly throughout Japanese martial arts, the mind with no remainder. Zanshin is being consistently aware of your body mind and surroundings without stressing yourself. It is an effortless vigilance. To add to Zanshin, 
embodying this philosophy, practicing this philosophy, the gravity of the battle means nothing to those at peace. Whatever event, whatever life circumstances you're facing, when you are fully embodied in Zanshin, when you are meta-aware, when you are uh, under, when you understand your internal processes, your triggers, you, you practice mindfulness, meta-awareness is an aspect of mindfulness, then it doesn't matter how big a situation is, your peace is always more important. When you are angry, when you have these negative emotions, when you're stressed, when you're in fight or flight, when your sym- sympathetic nervous system is in overdrive, which is every person in the Western culture, you are not functioning at your best. Your brain, certain aspects, certain parts of your brain are literally shut off. Blood flow stops in certain parts of the brain. The building momentum into the digital age is like a tidal wave emerging into the shallows. It's beginning to take shape. And its presence is simultaneously brilliant and unbeknownst. This impending force potentially brings with it an imbalance of epic proportions. Don't get me wrong. I'm a complete advocate for technology and all the advancements across all sciences. They have improved our lives in countless ways, but these tools also pose a deep challenge to our well-being, relationships, and our mental health. A study finds the average adult spends more than 12 hours a day exposed to electronic media and checks their phone more than 160 times daily, which makes it difficult to focus along with multitasking being a skill that is expected in today's world, this hyperspeed pace makes it nearly impossible to slow down and simply be present and in the moment. It's not just the stress, digital devices, and the speed of the external environment that challenges our well-being and ability to enjoy moment to moment. It's also our human biology that affects the way we react to this new landscape. Our brains didn't evolve to live sedentary lifestyles engulfed in constant digital distraction to multitask or face the constant stressors of this modern world, which tech companies out of Silicon Valley are hiring the brightest minds on the planet to cultivate products that prey on our awareness, assimilating full immersion into a paradoxically hyper-connected world and deeply disconnecting digital world. We are drowning in distraction and unwittingly training our brains for novelty. We are drowning in distractions and unwittingly training our brains for novelty. Millennials, Generation Z, this is so apparent in intrapersonal communication. I don't need to give you examples. Welcome to the digital age where LED lights, methodical pings, alerts, and notifications battle for our attention. Incoming emails, pressing text, social media alerts, location check-in survey opt-ins, where your phone carrier texts you like a long-lost friend. We take in far more information and are bombarded with this distractive marketing more now than any other time in documented human history. The most fascinating part is this tidal wave of technology hasn't even reached the shore yet, so to speak. You may be thinking, Josh, that was a dramatic way of saying the digital age is very diverting. If that's all you think is happening, you're missing the point. 
If you were to read the impact of the devices we can't live a day without, such as neglect of personal life, mental preoccupation, escapism, mood-modifying experiences, addictive behavior, all these appear to be present in some of the people who use whatever underlying social network excessively. Use is also linked to greater feelings of social isolation. Assumingly comparing our lives with others is mentally unhealthy. It's an absolute byproduct when on these platforms. Decades before we began to drown in this tidal wave of distractions, cognitive scientist Herbert Simon said this, what information consumes is attention. Basic human skills like empathy and social presence have quietly shifted. The truth is this phenomenon isn't what is responsible for the rise of mental illness, depression, and disconnection. What may be at fault is much more insidious. You are losing control of your own mind with ceaseless mind-wandering. The lack of empathy, emotionally connected relationships, has birthed an HR-obsessed skill that has been highlighted as emotional intelligence. As if these skills are not genetically ingrained in every human being, we are transitioning into biological robots that lack a literacy to express our emotional, physical, and mental states. Add the already very human problem of mind-wandering, and you have the perfect storm for unhappy, unfulfilling, and purposeless states of living. The research by psychologists Matthew A. Killingsworth and Daniel Gilbert of Harvard shows people spend 46.9% of their waking hours, about 50% of, of waking hours, spent thinking about what is going on. About 47% of waking hours, about 47% of your waking hours is spent thinking about what isn't going on. Awareness and higher level conscious processes are already seemingly disappearing from our social dynamics and everyday lives. Bring your awareness to this idea the next time you go out into normalized activities. Sitting in class waiting for your professor, teacher to enter, uh, waiting for your entree at a restaurant, grabbing a drink with your friends, going out on the town. If you are not fully engaged with your digital device, the person next to you is. These convenient tools have become extensions of us, coherently triggering an incessant need one could even say pathological need to check our digital devices, a new unconscious process that is battling to steal our attention and awareness. Let's call it what it is, an addiction to distraction. When I say that meta-awareness will be the most important skill of the 21st century, I wasn't trying to grab your attention. I believe this is the trajectory for Westerners and anyone being assimilated into the new digital landscape. We are practicing what we think to be multitasking, which makes us suckers for irrelevancy. In my humble opinion, I've made self-study of the mind a key pillar to a fulfilling life in turning in life. In turn, diving into the greatest minds in Western science, Eastern philosophy, and contemplative practices, Mexican spiritualism, Japanese samurai culture, and if you don't know the correlation with mindfulness and mental performance, 
you'll be pleasantly surprised. Chapter 1. Zero Awareness There is no health without mental health. We suffer more often in imagination than in reality. Seneca. The question I want to pose to you isn't can you handle the challenge. It's not even a question of can you accomplish your overarching goals. The human potential is limitless. Triumph overcoming adversity, rising to the occasion. Throughout human history, there's story after story after story of real people doing phenomenal things. My previous statement has already proven. The only thing keeping you from everything you want in this life isn't extrinsic. It's not an external circumstance. It's not because of your childhood or the environment you were born in. The question I want you to self-reflect on is... Can you manage your mind? Can you control the thoughts and the emotions, the responses that those thoughts trigger are poisoning your progress? If you haven't taken responsibility for a healthy mindset, then you may not even have the awareness that the thing in between your ears has been the autopilot setting to your current life circumstances. The year is 1998. I'm in my late childhood. Whenever I reminisce about those years, the thing that comes to mind are playing capture the flag outside barefoot with the other kids from the neighborhood, summertime ice cream trucks, Sonic on Sega Dreamcast, and camp outs with the family. The reason for this memory formulates around my oldest of three brothers, Jonathan. These were the highlight years for my brother. He was an all-around multi-sport athlete, basketball, football, straight-A student, and loved going to church on Sundays and participating in all the extracurricular activities. He was also an Eagle Scout and had a way with the piano. Athlete, genius, musician, and ambitious as hell. He was the golden child, a child parents across the country dream of having. On this day, Let's call it the day my awareness was expanded. My twin and I were just finishing up our nightly routine before bed. You know, shower, brush your teeth, and nightly family prayer. The story may be different depending on who tells it, but for me, it was quite clear. Jonathan was pacing back and forth from the living room into the hallway, intermittently playing heavy notes on the piano and walking back and forth with an enraged fervor. Only being a child, I might have thought this was off, but didn't pay it much attention, being in my own world. As our mother called for us to gather, she asked Jonathan to come and take a knee for our nightly prayer, a family ritual. He resentfully responded, no, and remarked something under his breath, then beelined for the stairs where we assumed he headed down to his room. Only seeming a bit out of the ordinary, we finished our prayer and my twin sister and I went off into our room to go to sleep. An hour or so later, we were both startled awake with a large boom and crashing noise. A second later, my oldest sister and youngest brother came into the room and firmly placed themselves in front of the doorway. They tried their best to make levity of the situation, saying things like, Jonathan was just expressing frustrations and he had a rough day. They impeded most of our questions. But why is he yelling? Who who is he yelling at? And why is he swearing at God? Who is Gabriel? If you haven't caught on yet, 
he was having a schizophrenic episode, hallucinating an epic fight with angels and God. This was the second one in four years, but the first one in my memory bank. He eventually had to be escorted by police officers to the mental health hospital for assessments and to discern the reason for his episode. We didn't see him for almost two weeks. The peculiar part was we didn't really talk about it. This was all before I had experienced the true stigma around mental dysfunctions and how little we know about these illnesses collectively in Western culture. At that age, the best response I received was he was sick. Being a curious child, when I saw my brother next, who was 12 years my elder, I asked him what happened the night of the episode. And he responded with, what do you mean? Nothing happened. He literally had no recollection of the events of that night. When my parents sat him down on his return home and showed him a home video, one of my other siblings managed to capture his psychotic episode. It showed him marching up and down the halls with a disgusted and slightly enraged look on his face while he called out the angels from heaven. With undivided attention, he watched the entirety of the home video, then looked up, smiled, and asked if the recording was a prank. No, that's you. He exclaimed how audacious it was that they hired an actor that looked just like him to act out the home video. When the conversation turned from curiosity to suspicion of my parents' quote-unquote intent for going to such a far extreme, for what reason, he asked. The malicious undertone of the accusation was enough to drop the subjects in hope he would not have another mental breakdown. Prayers became centered around my biggest brother, Jonathan. Fast forward 20 years and he has been battling severe schizophrenia and bipolar disorder for all of those years. Week by week, hour by hour, minute by minute, moment by moment. In and out of mental institutions, every time he's admitted, his stay is extended by years. Symptoms include depression, insomnia, deep sorrow, reclusive behavior, extreme delusion of grandeur, expressions that don't match the context of the situation, laughing out loud randomly, hysteria, mood swings, physical aggression towards others in psychosis, and auditory hallucinations. That's a fancy way of saying he hears voices that aren't there. The mind, mental health, mentality, mindset in accordance with human behavior has fascinated me since my earliest childhood memories. I found myself contemplating why and how his own mind could affect every aspect of his life. Although I am not a neuroscientist, psychiatrist, psychologist, sociologist, or behavioral neuroscientist, what I am is a student to life and a lifelong learner. I'm curious about the human mind, how it works, the mental functions, and how to control the endless chatter each of us unconsciously or consciously have adopted. This has drawn me to each of these aspects and more to understand to the best of my abilities. One thing I cannot express enough is I have experienced the effect of deep mental illness for my brother year after year. If you have a healthy mind to start with, you are leaps and bounds ahead of those struggling with mental illness. You are truly blessed beyond your own perception.
The current societal norms influence a deficit-oriented culture. We neglect the impact of a healthy mind, period. You don't have to be sick to get better. I wish this state of being on no human. Imagine hell on earth and you're just scratching the surface. The voices in his head are patronizing, filled with hate and violent remarks. This mental chatter never stops. It starts when he wakes up and doesn't disappear until he is sleeping. The voices are so loud to him, they seem to come from outside his mind, hence auditory hallucinations. They mimic the voices of those around him, so he hears the voices of his loved ones all day. Imagine being in the middle of a circle surrounded by your loved ones as they scream at you and say hurtful, demeaning, betraying things for no reason. We make a conscious effort to bring him around the family once a week. When he does engage in conversation like clockwork, you can see his eyes glaze over in the middle of a question. Some days he can hold a conversation for 30 seconds before his attention is redirected to his ambiguous thoughts other days, it's two minutes. I've consciously used engagement techniques that are rooted in keeping attention and focus on him to see how long he can f keep focus. Even with direct questions, every 10 seconds, he inevitably fades out of awareness. Interesting to me is his awareness of his person in this context doesn't cue any red flags, like he has lost awareness of his awareness and is fading into the white noise of his ambiguous thoughts. He is compulsive, reactive, and a slave to his every thought, idea, mental impulse. He has lost practical intention. He has created esoteric purpose rooted in fantasy, what psychologists call top-down thinking to the most extreme. I am not bashing undermining or demeaning my older brother. I love him more than he will ever know. I am just relaying the fact about his current existence, and it gets me really emotional to see how his life has played out. I'm in the process of partnering with a nonprofit that is studying mental illness outside of conventional pharmacology to really impact the lives that have been diagnosed with this mental health. My deepest desire is coming up with a cure for all of the families, friends, lovers, parents to get back their person affected by these mental illnesses, to reclaim their identity and truly contribute to this world. I know without hesitation, my brother would have impacted millions of lives in a positive way. As of today, he has lost his ability for situational awareness and sustaining attention. He is in constant habituation of his direct family members. The mind truly can be your biggest advocate or your worst nightmare. This memory and Jonathan's real-life circumstances were used to illustrate the point of the opposite of what good mental health is like. The glazed look of distractedness I mentioned above looks a lot like children growing up on digital devices today. If no one has pointed out to you that this is an emotionally neglectful habit you're ingraining your kids with, then consider this your notification. Understanding less and less what deep connections look like and what brings true sustenance to the experience Fulfillment and well-being look a lot like a healthy mental state. Deep relationships and undivided attention 
all of which can be packaged into mindfulness practices to stay in tip-top brain health. The correlation I make below may or may not be the causation of digital technologies. The stats below are awareness broadening and should extend your mind's horizon. First stat, suicide is the second leading cause of death in the world of those aged 15 to 24 years. Second stat, depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide. These stats were found on save.org. All right, chapter two, the complexity of awareness. That which is aware of fear is not fearful. That which is aware of sadness is not sad. Sam Harris. That's part one of this three-part trilogy series on the book I wrote, Meta-Awareness, the most important skill of the 21st century. Just closing the episode of the first part of the three-part trilogy, I just want to go over the um, the last page. That was a little a little peek into my childhood, my upbringing, and my current family situation. See, mental health is very stigmatized. I've had such a wide spectrum of experiences in my life that it's really allowed me to take that observer view. It's eye-opening to see that something like one in four men has some form of mental illness, whether that's depression, anxiety. One in three women have a type of mental illness and something like 80% of adults by the time they reach old age will have experienced some form of mental dysfunction, mental illness uh, throughout their lifetime. And yet with all these stats being so prominent, it's not it's not talked about. So I want to talk about it. I want I am an advocate for mental health. I have experienced it within arm's reach my entire life. And it's really easy to see those that are battling with it on a day-to-day basis when your awareness is there and when you're conscientious of other people's habits, patterns, and self-talk. Talk about it. If anybody is going through a you know, mental illness dilemma or situation or circumstance with their family, shoot me an email. Reach out to me on DM. I would love to you know, have a conversation around it and see if we, got, we can come together and uh, you know, figure something out. Or you know, in, in any case, I'm, I'm always looking for solutions. I'm open to it. I would love to hear your stories, your feedback, post, whatever it is. Just reach out to me. I am here. I want to be of support. I want to engage in these conversations because these are conversations that matter. But as long as it's stigmatized, as long as people are uncomfortable talking about it, that's uh, when it's going to be kept in the dark. And we have a, a really easy, you know, a lot of the most important topics in the world today are stigmatized, are tabooed. And so let's, uh, let's, let's increase the volume. Let's amplify this conversation. Let's, let's make change happen. Let's transform the, the context of our reality. And let's, let's make mental health a priority, just like going to the gym is, should be a priority, just like eating healthy should be a priority, just like you know, building deep communities and deep relationships should be a priority. Your mental health, your mental well-being, training your mind, all that takes priority. That's it. Thanks for tuning in. If I brought you any value today, please subscribe for notifications of next week's episode. I would truly appreciate it. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Connect to our community on social media. We're building a tribe of self-actualized grow-getters. Those that implement the practice of lifelong learning, understanding it will catalyze self-actualization, the ultimate production of the human spirit. Find your baseline and grow every day. Till next time, advancers, make the rest of your day the best of your day.